Come on in. It's time for a fireside chat between two intellectuals who both went to graduate school. Uh, I am Jared Russo, one of the hosts of uh, Supermax, a salary cap league podcast. Uh, and I am uh, without my other co-host is also named Jared. He has COVID, uh, but he's doing well. You don't have to give him your best wishes, but uh, he just he sounds like Tom Waits. So we're going to give him the week off. And instead, we're going to bring in a professor to challenge my uh, doctorate of humane letters. Uh, professor John. Hey. Um, and I mean, the other Jared also went to graduate school, did he not? I don't know, and I don't care. We are here to <laughs> uh, read, not verbatim, but mostly verbatim, a column I wrote of a really fun uh, bit I do for Sports Ethos. Uh, the link is on my Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Jared Russo. It's uh, essentially, I play uh, a shrink, and these basketball players write letters to me and I give them advice. Now, the advice is obviously fantasy advice, but it also pertains to real basketball situations. So, John, I'm going to read you some letters. And uh, instead of what I would respond, because that's already in, in the article in this column, which I think is free for people you don't need to necessarily buy the, uh, the premium sports ethos pass. Uh, you're going to respond to these letters. Does that sound good to you? That works for me. So this was written a week ago. So a lot of these I have not updated. So there's going to be some like injuries and, and, and some other nonsense uh, like this first one. Boy, what a week, what a difference a week makes. So here we go. Uh, dear Dr. Russo, that's me. A lot of people thought I was going to take a big leap this year. I was a most improved candidate in early round selections and a lot of draft, especially salary cap leagues. But so far, uh, we're all just waiting by the wayside as James Harden takes over the show and brings his Rockets era ball hog act to Philly. Uh, he isn't the MVP. Joel Embiid should be that. Uh, so he's he, this person is is very concerned. Now, he Tyrese is this man's name. He wrote this letter before James Harden got hurt and he exploded. So I think uh, his fear should be ass assuaged, ass assaged. How do you say that word? Assuaged. Assuaged. Um, I think. So, yeah, as a as a Tyrese Maxey owner, he was my second round pick in the you know the league that you and Jared and I are in. I shared some of Tyrese's concerns. If we're talking a week ago, obviously now James Harden is hurt. Um, I will say, I mean, it's not as if Tyrese was having a bad year. Up until this point, he just wasn't taking the leap that we hoped for. In part, he was still scoring, but he wasn't contributing as much in other categories. I think Harden was averaging something like 8 to 12 assists a night or something like that. And at least in the scoring for our league, that's now up to two points per assist. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the first four games of Maxi, and they're not great. And I had Harden, and he came out like he was on fire so yeah i didn't have any i didn't have any issue given you know maxi's making into like two million dollar range so like that's not a big deal uh for him to to be uneven but yeah no peripheral stats like he's six foot two he's not going to be a, a big rebounding guard like josh hart um if he's not getting assists 
Um, he, he's obviously not going to be some great defender. Uh, like he doesn't block shots like his teammate Matisse Thybul. Um, he doesn't get steals like his teammate Matisse Thybul. Um, <laughs> he uh, he really see, he scores and that's it. And but he plays offense unlike Matisse Thybul. That's true. He he scores more in a game than Matisse Thybul does in a month. Um, <laughs> and and I think now that he has the opportunity to, you know fill in for Harden for a month. I also think that what we're going to see when Harden comes back, because they're going to, you know, start treating James Harden's brittle, slightly more in shape body this year than last, but his brittle body uh, in a way that tries to save him for the playoffs in the hope that all, you know, all three or, you know, if you count Tobias Harris, four of their main offensive threats are actually healthy for the playoffs. That means I think Maxi is going to get more usage more comparable to last year. He's already had a couple great games uh, this past week. And he's, you know, again, I, I, I don't think circumstances were as dire as, as your letter makes it think, but there certainly was a concern. And I think that has just played itself. Uh, you know, natural events have evolved to where I don't think anybody needs to worry about Tyrese unless he himself gets hurt. Did did you just say Tobias Harris was one of the main... Uh, Tobias Harris is like a $40 million shell of himself. Like, Melton and... Uh, Tobias Harris... Alright, I don't even have time to comprehend that. That's... I, I just pretend that he's not on that team. That's how much of a of a giant weight, dead weight, is on their cap and and on their on their bench. Actually, hold on. I'm gonna look up Tobias Harris's stats because there's no way that like he is worth owning in any league oh, whatsoever. No, he's he's definitely not worth his salary, but he he basically lives for moments that Embiid and uh, Harden are off the court. Of course, as I say that, he's scoring 15 points a game and like eight rebounds a night. What? God, he's so invisible. All right, that's that's fine. Whatever. Long yeah, Island's I mean, own Tobias Harris. That's not worth 38 million a year. No. By any stretch of the imagination, but it's not a total, like, this is not Davis Bertans after he signed a new contract and then became an absolute zero. This is not Duncan Robinson after he signed a new contract. And became an absolute zero. That said, you could pay Davis Bertans and Duncan Robinson both for less than what you're paying Tobias Harris. Insane. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the next letter, which uh, might be a sore spot for some people. Dear Dr. Russo, I was an unexpected early draft pick in the real draft. On a legacy franchise, I was entrusted to become a ruthless defender and the future of this Midwest organization. After lots of injuries and the fact that I'm so young, I still have not developed. And now out of the gates this year, my minutes are going down and I'm not contributing anything on my team. What should owners do with me going forward? Signed, Patrick Williams. Yeah. So um, this is enough. Did you just write letters from like a bunch of my draft picks because you know I picked I took a flyer on Patrick Williams late I want to say like ninth round something like that um 
And yeah, he's he was supposed to basically be a guy who was going to be a big wing defender at a minimum. Um, but basically, I think the hope was that he was going to be a slightly less usage Scotty Barnes. Like, nobody thought Chicago was going to have what Patrick Williams bring up the ball and distribute the offense or anything. But, like, I think everybody thought that he would basically be what what we thought Scotty Barnes would be last year, and then Scotty Barnes turned out to be much more than that. And Patrick Williams has not even been that. He's had two good games this year, and even those good games, like, I think only one of them would be something where you're like, yeah, I want that guy starting on my fantasy lineup every night. Um, you know, only if he could do whatever his best game this year was. I have drafted him, waived him, picked him back up, and waived him again. <laughs> because also, he's making something close to $9 million. And this just seems like a situation, and I think part of it is – you can also be traced to the evolution of DeMar DeRozan and just the NBA in general, where you have people who used to play the three who are now playing up to the four. And DeMar DeRozan is somebody who does that for Chicago a lot. He'll, he'll actually play the four because he has a post game. He has a mid range game. And, and let's face it, Chicago is never actually playing to win with defense anyway. So they just are going to be like, all right, we're going to throw out, you know, Levine, you know, we'll, we'll get some perimeter defense from Caruso, maybe Io, and then we'll have DeRozan and Vucevic, and, and that'll be our go-to lineup. Um, and frankly, even Javante Green, who is quite a bit less expensive than Patrick Williams, is outproducing Patrick Williams. I don't know that Javante Green's really rosterable. He's been on our waiver wire, I'm pretty sure, the whole year. But the fact that it's a debate if you were going to go pick up a Chicago Bulls, you know, combo wing, combo forward, something like that, between Javante Green and Patrick Williams, tells you how the season's going for Patrick Williams and how Patrick Williams, to be frank, career has gone. He had a pretty solid stretch run when he came back from injury last year, and there's no glimpse of that player. We have not even really seen glimpses of that player since you know since he's actually had you know a starting gig for the bulls from the beginning of this year we have not seen it is he going to wait till like the stretch run this coming year maybe maybe patrick williams only plays well from march forward and that and that was something the bulls didn't know when they drafted him but hey um, hey maybe he's working on a, a point zion thing maybe he's trying to no i'm, I'm kidding he, he yeah he's, he's a boss um yeah <laughs> I, I wouldn't advise anybody to roster him anytime soon. I mean, you you maybe have to wait for more more bulls to start dropping or him just just show you know a week of games that look like what he did down the stretch last year because uh, he's not who we thought he could be. They are who we thought they were, and we let him off the hook. Uh, I've never heard anyone speak so much about a player with so little consequence that that was, that was quite impressive. Uh, Professor John, but now we're going to move on to a player with some real consequence. The next letter. Dear Dr. Russo. 
I missed last year. And as a restricted free agent, I was somehow let off of a playoff team on the rise to join the presumed worst roster in the league. Everyone thought I would be able to light it up nightly and score at will. But so far, I'm a bench warmer who's being stifled on a team with no experience or expectations. And they're winning without my scoring. Help! Signed, Colin Sexton. What to make of Colin Sexton? So, I mean... Colin Sexton, for one, let's just say um, he is a high, you know, if he can be a high usage player, then he can put up fantasy numbers. We all thought that he would probably be the highest usage guard in Utah. But let's, let's, you know, clarify a couple of things. For one, he is coming off an injury. He has not played competitive NBA basketball in about a year. Two, Utah still has a bunch of guys that they have not traded yet who know how to play basketball and know how to play it together. And some other additions of theirs fit better with those guys. And the guys I'm speaking of are Jordan Clarkson um, and Mike Conley. And then they've got some other additions. Uh, actually, yeah, say, say the magic words. There's one guy I'm thinking of. Say the magic words. Laurie Marketing. Laurie Marketing. God, people were freaking out in Summer League. And they, whew, Laurie. Well, it was EuroLeague that they were. Oh, EuroLeague. I, I apologize. Because yeah. the, the EuroBasket Championship, he had a, I mean, he had a great run in EuroBasket and then came over and he's, he's pretty much picked up where he left off. He would not be doing that on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now because they have too many guys that are better, but he has become the centerpiece. And not to mention that you've got glue guys like Olenek who, you know, whose floor is like 17 to 20 fantasy points and can bust over 30 fantasy points any given night. By the way, dangerous game to try to chase Kelly Olenek's fantasy production this year because you never know when he's going to hit 30, and you never know when he's only going to top out at 17, and he makes too much money to to go with that 17 to 20. Um, plus, you got guys like Jared Vanderbilt. You've got guys like Malik Beasley, uh, who, who came over in the Gobert trade. You've got a couple of rookies that they're going to be trying to integrate at different points with uh, Okai Agbaji and um, Walker Kessler. So basically, there's just too many people and too fluid of a rotation in Utah for Colin Sexton to hog the ball like he is used to doing to put up his points. If and when Danny Ainge decides that they're playing too well to maximize the draft picks that you know they've collected in the in their tank chase for Victor Wimbiama. Crown pick. Um, and so when when Danny Ainge decides that they're doing too well I mean, Olenek could be gone. Uh, Beasley could be gone. Clarkson could be gone. Mike Conley could be gone. But that really, you know, we're talking December 15th is the earliest that's probably going to start to happen. And obviously the latest is the trade deadline in, in what, like early March. So you could, if you, you know, if you were trying to hold Colin Sexton right now, 
you could be talking about several months of underperformance and in a salary cap league, you can't afford that new deal. If he was on his old deal, you could ride this out. But on this new deal, no, you cannot afford what could be three more months of underperformance where the touches you thought he was going to get and put up these huge numbers are going to pretty much everybody but him. I mean, Jordan Clarkson's assist numbers right now are a career high. I mean, I didn't even know Jordan Clarkson knew how to pass at all. Like, I mean, we haven't seen him pass since his like rookie year. Um, uh, and what he a can, shot. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a chucker. That's how he got six man of the year. He's not, it's not like he's a bad chucker, but he's like the definition of the microwave score off the pitch. And now he's playing like he's, he's playing, you know, not quite like John Stockton, but he's Jordan Clarkson is manifesting the most John Stockton that Jordan Clarkson will ever be. Uh, I, I too would also drop Colin Sexton. So, Professor John, because you are so good at this and you're so loquacious, uh, we're going to, I don't want to say rapid fire through the rest of these because I'm always worried about this stupid 40 minute Zoom uh, ticker, but. Uh, you're, just, you're too good. You should be on TV. Uh, all right, next letter. Let's get through some of these. Uh, dear Dr. Russo, I have the best nickname in the league. I should be a six-man-of-the-year candidate right now. I got the benefit of having no healthy players around me last year, but they're all back now. My usage is down. I was a hot commodity right before the season, and now I have no idea when my time will be. Signed, Bones. Bones Highland. What to do with Bones Highland? I'll, I'll say this. Bones Highland is cheap. He is under $3 million. Um, and so anything that you do with Bones, if you're going to drop him at this point, you've got to compare who are you getting for under $3 million. There are some folks out there um, in that 1.8, 1.9 range. I mean, I just picked up Yuta Watanabe, who is actually doing pretty well while Ben Simmons is out. Why and is your team name not Yuta Man? Yuta Man! Because I have a, at, at this point something like six Kentucky Wildcats and a Villanova Wildcat right. on my roster. So that's the listener didn't know that, but okay, continue. Anyway, so you know autonomy, you know that's somebody in the range. Uh, there's a there's a handful of other folks in that two million, you know, two and a half million dollars or less range that might be worth a flyer. But you're really talking about streaming, and if you think that nobody will pick up Bones Highland in your league. You could you could experiment with that spot for a while because he's not getting the opportunities that we thought he would, but you want to be careful. And I think it's got you. You got to realize that you're taking a calculated risk simply because he's so cheap. And if you're in a competitive league like ours, somebody may snap him up, and you won't get that chance to actually get him because inevitably somebody in Denver is going to get hurt. Um, whether that's KCP, whether that's Jamal Murray is good, you know, maybe going to go Porter. through the You know, Michael Porter is almost definitely going to miss some time due to injury. So you definitely want to make sure that you, if you're going to experiment with that spot, make it a calculated risk uh, and, and know who you're dropping them for. I could not agree with you more. And I really wanted to disagree with you, but so far I've agreed with every word you've said this podcast. So let me just rattle through a bunch of guys who I either own or I'm looking at who are like 5 million and less who like could be better streams than Bones Highland, which is why he wrote in because he was so worried. 
Uh, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Nick Richards on Charlotte, Santi Aldama on Memphis. He's the new sort of Desmond Bain of this year. Herbert Jones. All right, let me go to my watch list. I can't believe I'm about to say this all on air because everyone's going to snipe these guys now. Uh, Brandon I'll say the, the names you mentioned. Of the... Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't finished. <laughs> Jaden McDaniels, Walker Kessler, Daniel Gaffer, Troy Brown Jr., RJ Hampton, Chumo Kiki, Kenrich Williams. There's a whole bunch of guys on OKC. Like, there are just so many people. I It's it's hard to just, like, put it all on, on the bones. Um, yeah. You know, wagon. I'll say the names you mentioned, uh, the two, I believe they're both rostered in our league. So I don't think um, in our league, I don't think this would work out for you. But if you are in a league where somehow Santi Aldama is not rostered, but somehow Max Struess is not rostered, yes, you definitely want to drop Bones Highland and pick up, pick up one of those two guys. Agreed. Literally everybody else that you mentioned is somebody that I would say, sure, if you think you can get Bones back, Stream, stream one of those other guys. See if they can string together more consistency than Bones, and it, it might work out better for you. Um, but but I would say those are the two only two names that you've mentioned that are no-brainer. Yeah, drop Bones for them. Everybody else is pretty much on the same level, and you're going to be dealing with some of this, you know, a different flavor of the same meal. The, the same disappointing meal. Um yeah. Yeah, just a lot of people, uh, you know, like mid to late round guys who we all loved who either were great last year or we thought would be great this year who have been disappointments. Um, we're going to get into a little more in depth on some of those guys right now. So let me read another letter to you. Uh, dear Dr. Russo, I just inked a new deal with my team and I thought I was going to get a great opportunity starting on a young, hungry and scrappy squad. But alas, some doofus named Santi is starting over me and he's showing me up. I'm not doing that well. He stole my thunder, and I'm disappointed so far. When Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back eventually, what are the plans? Should I not sign here? Should I ask for a bigger role? Should I should I ask out? I'm panicking. Sign Brandon Clark and all of Brandon Clark's owners. Oh, oh what the yeah. hell is going on? Yeah, so Brandon Clark, um, I am one of the people who drafted him thinking, oh, well, Jaron Jackson Jr. is out. This is a perfect opportunity. For yep. Brandon Clark to get a half season of great production because for his entire career, when he has gotten usage, he's, he's just been pretty efficient. And actually last year, he became even more efficient than he was before because he, he stopped shooting so much from three and he started really um, realizing that his game was not built from the outside. It was built from the inside and started scoring a lot in the paint, just better shot selection, everything. Here's the issue. That team is built to have a stretch four. And because Brandon Clark isn't that stretch four, he is essentially stuck in this sixth man-esque, like first big off the bench type of role. And I don't think that's going to change. I think if Jaron Jackson comes back, Clark may play ahead of Aldama, but I don't see, unless something happens to Aldama, I don't see Clark having a really any more of a, of a future or any more of a role this year than he's had in past seasons. And so that was a miscalculation, certainly on my part. Anybody else who drafted him, he's not going to have a bigger role. He's going to have the same role that can be a useful role. Um, he's not doing as well as certainly if you had hoped that he was going to become the starter. He may start to string together some games in that same role, but I, I think 
just a lot of us miscalculated and thought he was going to be the beneficiary of Triple J's absence, and he is not. Can I just tell you how upset I am that the Memphis Grizzlies like nail every draft pick in a way that makes all the other franchises look like meatheads? I mean, it's truly it's just incredible how they're just able to make nobodies into stars. Yeah, I mean, Sandhill is a really good example of that because, I mean, I think when they drafted him, we were all like, who's this guy? And then he didn't really do anything his first year or two. I don't know if you can look up whether he's in his second or third year, but like I think it's now, second. I think it's yeah, second. now he's in his second role and he's basically become a go-to stretch four in that lineup. And he's knocking shots down from outside doing exactly what they need him to do. And it, it, yeah, it's just insane. And so like right now we're all going to sit around and say, well, should they really have gotten Jake Arabia or should they really have spent that money on David Lofton? We, I'm sorry, David Roddy. Uh, we know that Kenneth Lofton actually had a good summer league, but um, you know, in the next three years, probably all three of those guys are going to put together at least one season where we're like, man, where did this guy come from? And yeah, you're absolutely right. The Memphis front office seems like they can do no wrong right now. New age Spurs. Uh, all right. So we got less than 10 minutes. So we're going to get through uh, one more letter because there are actually two more letters, but one of them was written by Cameron Johnson who was doing really poorly. I dumped him. Then he was doing really well, and now he's basically out for the year. So we're just going to skip him. Uh, and we're going to get to one letter written by two gentlemen. Dear Dr. Russo, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are hurt yet again. Yet we cannot figure out why our season so far have sucked eggs. This is ridiculous. We are the best defenders on the court during that playoff series last year. We should be doing more contributing more and stretching our wings signed Herbert Jones and Jose Alvarado. Yeesh. Right. So both of those guys are on really good contracts and they, they did play really well in the playoffs. What they don't do is contribute on the other end. They're not exactly two way players. Now you would think, Oh, New Orleans has so much offense. They just need to play those defenders. But the, the fact is with Ingram and Zion out, they need two-way contributors and a guy that nobody really was talking about. I considered briefly, but then just thought that roster was too deep. Um, Trey Murphy, I had considered briefly towards the tail end of the draft. He is exactly who they need because he can, he contributes on both ends. He is the classic three and D guy. He, you know, our, our uh, colleague or, or co I don't even know what we want to call him. Our competitor, I guess, Will, in our league, would say it's entirely because he's coached up well at the University of Virginia um, and, and that he would attribute it all to his time there. But Trey Murphy is actually the the Pelicans bench, the young bench guy who is a strong defender. He's not maybe on Herbert Jones' level or Alvarado's level as a defender, but he contributes in more facets of the game than either of them because he is an offensive threat. He can cut, he can do a little passing, a little creation, he can serve as a connective piece, and he can shoot, knock down an outside shot. So he is actually who they need right now. I imagine his role will recede somewhat. I mean, Ingram is already healthy, um, and, and he's starting to play. You know, as Zion gets worked back in, um, I imagine that it will become more of an even 
distribution of uh, minutes and playing time among Murphy, Alvarado, and Jones. But I think what this has proved is that the fantasy upside off the New Orleans bench lies with Trey Murphy, not with Alvarado and Jones. The good news about Alvarado and Jones is, I mean, I know Alvarado is under $2 million. Uh, Jones was a second-round pick, so he's probably under $2 million. I think they're both like one point something. And, and let me just chime in real quick and say that last year in our league, Herbert Jones averaged 19.1 fantasy points a game. So, like, I expected him to, like, put up stats regardless of whether or not he can play offense. Now, I will say that last night he did score 19 points and played 34 minutes. He got nine rebounds, two assists, and three steals. So it seems like he can't have great nights. But just very hard to stomach taking those later-round guys like a Brandon Clark or, or Herbert Jones or a Bones Highland who like I was so just like I need to draft these guys because these are the guys who win championships and they have done squadoosh. Yeah, I mean, I think right now Herbert Jones and Jose Alvarado they're just so cheap that you may have to hold them unless you know somebody I, like Max Strews or a Santiago Dom or somebody like that is yeah. is available. But that's the thing, and I think we we talked we talked about it before. Um, when you employ the stars and scrub strategy where like, I mean, I've got three guys with $30 million plus contracts and one guy at 12 million and everybody else is like less than eight right now. That's it pretty much how so, I it it's so much pressure on those cheap contracts. Those guys better perform and they better stay healthy. And if they don't, it becomes really hard you have to constantly be pouncing on the waiver wire to see, okay, this week, you know, who's hurt? Let me figure out if there's a cheap guy who's taking up their minutes. Or let's see, this week, uh, who got suspended? Uh, this week, you know, who who only has a you know a two game week this week, and therefore um, we'll go with somebody else. Oh, and, hey, DeAndre Ayton's hurt. Let me pick up Jock Landell. Yeah, and then Biombo got more usage, and then once. I picked up Biombo. Neither of them was getting usage, and then Aiden's already back. Yeah, um, nuts. Um, <laughs> ultimately, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, if you drafted Trey Jones in your league, you won. So, sorry, <laughs> everyone is out of luck. So, with only a few minutes left, uh, we're going to wrap up here just because we're running out of time, and I don't know anyone who pays for Zoom Premium, unless you have Zoom Premium, John. Uh, maybe through my work account, but they probably would not look kindly on uh, using it for fantasy basketball podcasts. They don't have to know. But we're already <laughs> done with the show. And uh, we got through all the letters. Thanks, Cam Johnson, for getting hurt. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jared Russo. Uh, you cannot follow Professor John, so don't bother. Um, although you can, but we don't want you to. Just leave my alone. Yeah, you should not follow me. You should not. And uh, don't worry. I don't get bothered for this podcast. You won't. And uh, yeah, uh, follow you know, at sports ethos and all that other fun jazz. So uh, thank you for listening and we will be back in a week or two. Who, who, who knows? I don't, I don't really know. So.